Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Jimmy John's Gourmet Sandwiches. Jimmy John's has three locations in Amarillo, two along I-40 and one downtown near the ballpark. Now it's not baseball season yet, but the downtown location is always open for lunch and these franchise locations are owned and operated by an Amarillo resident who has a passion for giving back to the community. So go eat at Jimmy John's. Today's guest is Steve Brown. Now Steve is definitely a friend of the podcast because his marketing agency, ROI Online, sponsored 24 episodes in a row in the first half of 2018 when this show was just getting started. And so I'm, I'm grateful to him. Uh, I've known him for several years though, and Steve is more than just a sponsor of Hey Morello. ROI is one of those Amarillo businesses with a national footprint, with clients all over the United States. And Steve's journey to success isn't your typical entrepreneurial story, which is what's so fascinating to me. It takes several weird turns, including a few in Japan. So we end up talking about a lot of stuff in this episode, including Steve's new book, The Golden Toilet. Yep, you heard me right, The Golden Toilet. So here's Steve Brown. Steve Brown, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here today. Well, hey, Jason, and hey, Amarillo. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate it. Um, I know that you have a long history with the podcast, uh, and so it's, I'm, I'm excited to actually have you on as a guest. Um, so I'll do what I do with, with every guest and just ask you the first question, how did you end up here in Amarillo? I um, think it was something my parents had a lot of control over. I was born here. Okay. And uh, I was born at St. Anthony's Hospital. It's the original one, the, I guess. The OG, yeah, yeah, there on the boulevard. And yeah, that's where it all began. How did your parents end up here? Do you know? My mom's side of the family came from Wichita Falls, but she was raised here. And my dad was born and raised here as well. And so both families, um, Amarilloans, is, is that the term? I that believe that's the term, yeah. yeah. Anyway, they're, they're both sides of the family here. Where'd you go to high school? So I went to Emerald High School. Okay. Actually, uh, the street out here, I might have driven down the street a little too fast some of those nights, but... Were you one of those kids who grew up in Amarillo and thought, as soon as I can, I'm going to get out of here? Or did you see yourself staying? You know, there wasn't this burning thing I have to get out of this place. I, I was here, you know, after high school, I went to Emerald College for a little bit. And I think my journey was there just starting to figure out who I was and, and figure out what I wanted to be. You know, the question that they ask you when you first go, what are you going to major in when, mm-hmm. you, when you go to school? I was like, I really felt that was like such an unfair question. It's like, who am I to know what I want to be? And I'm exactly. s- supposed to declare. At 18 yeah. or 19. Yeah. yeah. And so you're looking at what are you majoring in? Oh, that sounds good. And I don't know. So do you prison management or something. I They didn't have that degree, so why don't we just do the, the basics while I'm figuring this out? What did you end up doing after AC? Like, did you go a full two years there, or did you just do a year of basics? Well, I left AC, and, and I didn't even drop my classes. The, this is how important education was to me at that time. I, I think I went there just because other people were going to school, and that's what you did out of high school. So I got to a point... I'm, 
I was in there. They had fraternities at that time. Wow. Okay. So, and you're going to date yourself. Then, yeah. So it's like um, Sigma Alpha Delta was the fraternity, but I probably our class or the one after was probably the reason they don't have fraternities there anymore. It did not uh, help me study more, let's okay. say. So anyway, I left and I thought, you know, I can be successful without all of this. I wasn't particularly academically inclined at the time. And so I, I was, um, you remember steak and ale? That's yeah. It, it's, here's the dilemma that we go through is like when you're making a hundred bucks in tips, 125 bucks in tips, and you're going to school and you're, you're looking at potential jobs. It's like, that's a lot of money. And you go, you know, I just work full time and then I have this freedom. I'm going to do whatever I want. That was tempting. Plus, I wasn't making the best grades. So anyway, I left there after about a year and a half and went on to uh, do like restaurant gigs for a while. Okay. Here locally? Did you stay in Emerald? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stay Canale, Harrigan's, and then then uh, moved to Oklahoma City. Okay. Um, Harrigan's had expanded there. And so that was a way to go somewhere else. And it wasn't like this, I got to get out of Amarillo, but it, it was like the first foray, if you will, into living somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But I think it was part of me figuring out or measuring my, you know, my aptitude or my skills with other people. Sometimes in the place you grow up, you kind of get to know everyone and you kind of know where you are. But but when you go somewhere else, no one knows you and, yeah. you and you have to start over in a way. And so I did that. Tell me about... I guess about your career path, because, you know, so far you've talked about restaurants and education, mm -hmm. and I, I don't see like any glimmers of what you do today yet. So walk yeah. me through that path. How did you end up here from, from there, from Harrigan's, you know? Yeah. So I went to Plano for a while and worked for TGI Fridays and Steak and Ale there as well. But, and I got married as in that time and with my first wife. So we uh, decided to go there. And I think that I was really good at connecting with people or, or selling, if you will, and, mm -hmm. and waiting tables. Although I did a lot of work in the kitchen and that's where I learned how to cook. You know, when you, I think our culinary taste or perspectives are if you grew up in Amarillo and you went to the Amarillo Independent School, so our culinary perspectives are are clouded by what they served us in the cafeteria. So if you would have asked me, do you want lasagna? It's like, yeah, you want fish? No. And and so But square pizza, that's great. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but but then as I started Working in these kitchens, I figured out that fish is actually delicious, and there's all these things that that I didn't have the right perspectives on. So I, I was starting to learn those things. I was learning how to work with people, and you know, in every situation, I would become, I'd get into some leadership role after after some paying your dues or mm -hmm. or working hard. How did I get to, back to here? Is a long journey. Okay, so so you were working at Harrigan's. You had some front of house service work. You had some work in the kitchen. That um, still doesn't sound to me like marketing. And you're still not in Amarillo. So so walk me through the the path there. Yeah. So this this path, 
started to un- unveil is like I had this opportunity to go to Japan. So sold all our stuff and just like the Beverly Hillbillies and, and went to Japan, right? Okay. And, and showed up in, in Japan with not you know, not all these guarantees of what's going to to go on. It was an experience. Imagine growing up in Amarillo. Mm -hmm. I I call myself, and at this time, I was a chicken fried steak kid, right? Okay. And so what does that mean? It means that anytime you go to a restaurant, chicken fried steak is the safe order, right? I I would be proud of myself if I, I ended up at a... Chinese food restaurant, not by choice or whatever, and I'd really venture out and order like sweet and sour chicken. Yeah. And I'd be like real proud of myself. You grow up in an environment and it's just our natural instinct to try to control the environment. So, you know, that's where I was. I I, I knew where to eat. I knew what was safe, so to speak, in a way. I started to grow a little bit in working with um, the restaurants, but I just had this view of the world. I call it the chicken fried steak view. And so imagine showing up in another country and you don't even know how to ask where's the bathroom. Right. Much less for the chicken fried steak. Exactly. And so and so they don't have chicken fried exactly. steak is what I quickly found out. But I was thrust into this environment of all these different experiences. And, and in the East... It's really kind of opposite of what we we grow up in the West, the, the wide open spaces, cattle and and big vehicles and stuff, and you end up in a place that's the size of California with half of the population of Amarillo crammed in there, and it's way different. Mm-hmm. There's all these people and all these things that are different, and it was really good for me. It stretched me and and. Over time, I made relationships. I, you know, I started to acclimate and and start to see myself that I could go into an unknown environment and quickly figure it out and start to thrive. And so I taught English, or I, I you know, volunteered at international schools, or I accidentally and I, I say this, it, it, I accidentally got modeling jobs, and it's just because. <laughs> I'm an American. Yeah. Yeah. I met, yeah. You know, I happen to be the exact size, the height and weight. And, and I just happened to be that, but I didn't have this portfolio. Right. I just had this, this uh, photograph of a ski trip I was on. Right. And I just happened to have that, that photograph with me that this lady I met needed one more model to book this, this catalog uh, job at a ski resort. And so she just asked me, have you ever modeled? And the answer is no. And then, then she said, well, do you have any pictures? And she just threw it in there with all these, these other professional books or whatever the yeah, models, headshots, headshots and, stuff. and stuff, you know, and, and I have this fuzzy out of focus thing. And so the, I guess the, the guy that made the decision picked me because he got a discount or something. I don't. I don't know. But it was a. It was a great experience. It turns out this is funny. So we're riding a bullet train to this up in in the north part of, in Hokkaido in Japan, and as we stop, other people on this job are getting in, and so we're kind of connecting. And so I get to talking to this one girl, and 
And we, you know, you can tell if they're from the States or they're from Australia or wherever, right. but they all speak English. And, and I was talking to this one girl, and it's all of a sudden, she said, so where are you from in the States? And I'm from Texas. Oh, me too. We're in Texas. And I said, Amarillo. And she, she goes, are you serious? And turns out she went to Amarillo High School as well. Wow. So it's like you just have all of these unique adventures and you bump into people in all these different places. But I couldn't believe that actually someone from my hometown was happened to be on that same job. Had a couple of other jobs from that, but I never saw her again. And, and I'm kind of sitting here thinking, I don't remember her name either. So. <laughs> maybe she'll, maybe she'll listen to this and yeah. reconnect with her. So yeah. like what you know, other than teaching English, I mean, mm-hmm. what did you end up doing there and, and how long did that last? Well, I was there for a couple of years and just, just, um, odd jobs. It's a little bit of a walk the earth experience, barefooted, you know, a little bit of almost like being a hippie where you just kind of go with the flow and, yeah, s- and see yeah. what things uh, pop up. And so I um, met all these folks. And when you you meet people, here's, here's where I went from chicken fried steak guy, okay? So I go to, to get a bank account in Japan, and I don't know the, the words, right? Right. But I go in there, and, and you can figure it out. If you stand in line long enough and see what the other people in front of you are saying and kind of practice it. And and so that's how I learned how to order food is by watching people, okay. what, what they would say, and then see what they got. And then I'd pick what they want, and I'd just repeat that, right? And so over time, you learn. So it's the same thing in, the, in that situation. But this, this Japanese guy comes over to me, super nice, and he speaks English. So he helps me, and it turns out that in World War II, he, uh, I guess he was an orphan, and he hung around the bases, and the GIs would offer him food if he spoke English, mm-hmm. right? And so he would learn English. He, anyway, he started working on the base, and, and so he was endeared to the Americans in that way, and so he happens to kind of pick me out and be nice to me and help me get this bank account set up, and then... Eventually, I would go in there every once in a while, and one day he invites me to come have uh, lunch at his house. So I go, and I'm sitting there in the little bitty house, and he's got, he's like my dad's age, and there's his wife, and then he has two sons, much like me and my brother, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm looking at a Japanese reflection of my family, right. okay? And I'm sitting there, and they're treating me like, VIP. I mean, they food's really expensive there, and they cook this beautiful meal and tempura shrimp and all the stuff. It was delicious, and it's like I didn't deserve to be treated. If he knew what a pimply faced punk kid I was, right? It, but he was like being so nice to me, and I look up, and there's we're sitting there on the floor at a table, very Japanese experience, and I'm looking at the wall, and he's got this idol with fruit in it right mm-hmm. there. And and I think he was Buddhist or or whatever. And I was just sitting there reflecting on that. And here I'm looking at his um, kids and his wife. And I'm, it just struck me that his opinion and perspectives of the world was just as legitimate as my dad's or my opinion. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, I'd always pictured God as an American, that he wore these yeah. overalls and had a John Deere hat and... And that was just, I don't know why, but that's how I always pictured God. And it just struck me right there 
And the words I got is God's not an American. Whatever my image or perspective of the world of that changed that day. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something that happens a lot when you get out of the environment that you really know, that you're familiar with, and you start to look at it as an outsider might, mm-hmm. um, that a lot of a lot of reevaluation can start to take place. Whether it's good or bad, you know, you you start to see what's the truth of of where I lived, you know, um, which is one reason I think it's good for people to travel just to get outside and look at the United States like somebody might, you know, mm-hmm. living in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine eventually you came back from Japan. Did did that experience, you know, getting away, did that sort of like shape, I guess, the rest of what you ended up doing, having transformed that chicken fried steak mentality? Yeah, so I did a, I did a little, spent a couple of years in Europe and, and, um, Southern Germany and Switzerland and got to see a lot of Europe there. And and so I think what was going through my mind is that if I could figure out how to, to acclimate in different environments there, then surely when I'm go back to the environment that I was raised in, I, I should, I should be successful or mm-hmm. I should succeed. Right. And, but I think I, part of me as was changing in that, you know, as a young man, the world revolves around us for a while. That's right. just the way that we're wired. And and I was going through a change there where I was starting to lose that, just come to realization the world didn't didn't revolve around me. I I think it helped me just figure out how to connect with people and and see patterns, if you will, common patterns. When I came back, so. I ended up when I came back to Amarillo, and now we're we're in Pocket Place right now, right? Okay, and so this place is named after a, a doctor and one of Amarillo's founding, well, one of the prominent uh, Amarillo fathers back in the day, and so he was a physician and he had ranches around here, but he had a son named George Puckett. And long story short, I ended up being George's companion for about 11 years. Hmm. And and um, my wife at the time was related to him, and we ended up taking care of him as a, as a couple. And, and so during that time, I got to go. She, she was going through nursing school, and I would watch George while she was there, and then we would tag team, and then I, would, I started going back to school. Okay. So I went back to Emerald College, and I was on double secret probation. I found out at that time because you'd never dropped those original yeah, classes. Yeah, so I, so I had, had a, shown up for years. Yeah, so here I show up as a non traditional student, and then I had all these Fs. I had to, I had to pay my penance for, yeah. so to speak. You know, so I had to do all these remedial courses. So in that in that experience, and I went back just to kind of take German classes, but I got, I don't know, I just. I started to go, I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I, I did it. I did all the remedial stuff. And that's where I started to get a computer associate's degree or okay. whatever. What, what was the, the, the years that you were there? Oh, yeah. I'm um, trying to date it like in terms of the internet world, com- personal computing and stuff like that. Yeah, was it so, like the 90s? or Yeah, it was 90s. Probably, 
probably what 94 or 5 okay. or something like we, that. We were I, probably there at the same time. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I was that weird old guy that <laughs> <laughs> that would always answer the questions in class. Anyway, what what degree did you end up getting? So I I started off with a computer whatever the degree is in programming. Yeah, computer uh, science. Yeah, or something, something like that. Yeah. And so I'm, I've quickly figured out I hated programming because you get one space wrong or you put a slash in there in the wrong place and nothing works. And it was really frustrating all that detail for me. So quickly I figured out I'd rather use software than write software. Hmm. And so they have this this day where WT would show up with their their counselors or, or the folks from those departments at WT, and I was going to transfer my stuff to there. And they come sit down, and I I proudly take all the my computer classes, and I set it down there. I was you know about to just finish this degree there, and now I'm planning to go to WT. And so the 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 computer guy starts marking out all these classes I had taken that aren't going to transfer. Hmm. And it's like this demoralizing thing where I had paid for myself basically two or three semesters of just, they're going to be duds and they weren't transferring. And it was really frustrating for me. So I think this is the best thing I learned out of higher education was I, so I go talk to my counselor. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it is there. And I go talk to another teacher. I'm complaining to this teacher. And finally, I'm complaining to the one teacher I really, I avoided all the time. And she says, well, just change it to a general studies degree. Hmm. So I go change it to general studies. degree. Guess what? It all transferred. Yeah, yeah. So I start on my next journey, general studies degree at WT where I took English and history and political science and all the stuff that I really enjoyed. And, and that's where I started to, I was using technology at that time, computer, you know, computers and things, but I still hadn't landed on what I was going to be. I didn't even take, I might, maybe I took a marketing. Yeah. I took a couple of marketing classes, but I didn't know at that time I was going to become, do what I do now. Right. Long story, I ended up working as a salesperson for a handful of companies here in Amarillo. And this pattern would, would happen. I'd worked there for three or four years, helped them to get a good market share. And so I started to figure out I was really good at sales. And I was kept getting pigeonholed in sales. And during that process, uh, a couple of the companies, I redid their website. I just mm-hmm. took the initiative to to go and redo it because I was interested in it. I got it some exposure, I guess, in school, but I, I started to do that and started to see this experience. And when the phone would ring from the website, closing that sale was way easier than going out and do cold calling. Okay. You talk to 10 people cold calling, you get one. So five people call, you get three. And they wanted to talk about it. They weren't right. annoyed. And so that's when the, the, the light bulb started to go off that this is something here and so I started to apply it. I ended up working uh, here at Spellman, actually. Okay. And so he had this, he had done this beautiful job of branding himself. It was really cool to, to see that. And, and so I started to see the other side of the conversations that these business owners would come in. I'd been in their shoes, but here I was, I was helping them get the websites. And eventually it came to the realization that I needed to go do my own thing. And that's where, that's when I started ROI Online. Okay. When did that, when did you officially launch ROI as a business? 2012. Okay. 
tell me, like, like, give me a sense of the scope of what it is now in yeah. terms of like, like, who are your customers? You know, I don't, I don't want like dollar figures or anything, but like, tell me the work that you're doing from here in Amarillo. Like, who are you doing work for? So our, our clients come from all over. I have a client in Switzerland, this just so happens. And I have, I've had clients in England, all around the States, Canada. You know, we've, so we just have this unique fit. I think what, what it is is that because I come from this experience of understanding what a business needs, mm-hmm. the perfect fit for us is that you watch Chip and Joanna Gaines, yeah, you know, yeah. the fixer-upper. So you think about where the people that they fix up the house for, where they are in their lives. You can imagine the conversation was like, you know what, honey? I don't want to spend another, go get another house, spend three or four years, and I try to fix it up, frustratingly so, on the weekends, and right. we live in a construction zone. Why don't we? Why don't we just get Chip and Joanna to do it, and then we can have our kids kids over at pool parties we have dinner parties we can have experiences right and so that's if you take that to a business side of things think of the business leader that finally gets to the point he goes you know they look up and they go you know i've got customers i've got employees i got this great product but things have kind of changed a little bit we need to get our act together online and so they go through this decision whether they want to try to do it themselves on the weekends right. for three or four years, or should we really step up and do it right? And that's the perfect fit okay. f- for us. And so we approach it. Not, It's not a marketing problem. This is a business problem that we're helping them address. And it, usually the conversation starts at the website doorstep. Hey, can you help me redo my website? But if you, you remember those on the Saturdays, you watch those um, Kung Fu movies, yeah. right? And so their lips would move right. like this, but the subtitle would be something different. And the same, I realize oh. that's the same thing going on here. They're going, I need a new website. But what they're really saying is, I have this business challenge mm-hmm. and I need someone that's, that's inclined in this area to help me solve this business problem successfully. And it, it really is a business problem. Yeah, it's that, not just graphics on a website that they need fixed. They right. need something pretty. They need it to drive sales or to to accomplish something for them. Yeah. So, so this is a strategy. There's a strategy that needs to be in place, but there's but you think about let's say you do the graphics and someone someone calls in or like I was experiencing when I finally did those I noticed that these leads were like easier to close. But those are coming into your business. And there needs to be a sales process or mm-hmm. at least a finish the marketing path and then go into a sales path and then, then an onboarding. That needs to be included in the design or the building out of this platform that mm-hmm. you're going to do to help them grow their business. So they spend all this time focusing on their physical location. You know when they're open, you know where to park, you know where to come in and transact. You look up, you see the menu, you know where to order, you know where to yeah. pick up your food. Or you go in and you speak to the assistant and then they set you down and take you to a meeting. Those are all worked out in the physical world. But the same 
the same energy and planning needs to go into our virtual world. Because that virtual world, for most of us now, is like the first impression that we have of that business. Everybody's Googling something before they walk in the door at this point. So we're just humans, and we do what humans do. We explore, we learn, and we're doing that in a virtual way as well. So we may be on Instagram or we may be we may be looking around and educating ourselves. That's the beauty of of our world now is that we have we have an augmented brain that can quickly access information. It's amazing. So I'm I'm curious given the scope of the work that you do, having clients, you know, in Switzerland or or wherever and it mostly being digital yet the physical location of you and your team, mm-hmm. most of your team, is here in Amarillo. Yeah. Tell me why that is. Well. Because you could do this work anywhere you can. at this point. Yeah. I think there's a lot of advantages right now at this time in my life. You know, my family's here. My my um, parents are here. I'm, I have a lot of great relationships here. And the place that we have right now we have a lot of WT students that mm. end up on our team. But the beauty of our world because of Zoom or, or video conferencing is, and the remote workers, we can have really impactful people that live wherever. So, okay. I mean, we have folks on our team that live in, maybe in Cleveland or Denver or, or Portland or Austin, Fort Worth. So we, we're a diverse team. But we're also a dispersed team okay. in a way. But I call it headquarters. Amarillo is headquarters, and that's the community. And and think about we're doing this business with people from around the world, but that money is coming into this economy here. Right, right. So I'm I pull up at my place and I see these five, six cars around our office. Well, you think about it, I'm paying those those car payments sure, and those apartment payments or house payments or whatever, that money's coming here and impacting this economy. And it's a great economy to impact. I want to kind of use that as a a transition to ask a little bit different question. Um, And this is a self-serving question. But when I started this podcast, like you got in touch with me pretty early and were interested in being a sponsor and ended up sponsoring like a, a half year's worth of episodes. I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. several months, which gave me the freedom to to kind of build this thing. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. But one of the things that, that really struck me when we were talking about it is that you said you didn't really care like how many people were listening to each episode or what was going to happen as a result of it. You just wanted to be associated with a product that you saw as like being beneficial for Amarillo. And so you being a marketing person and a person who cares about the city because you, you have your business here. I, I wanted to just like, number one, to say thanks for doing that. It was, it's very helpful for me. Um, but also to ask like, why, like unpack that a little bit and, and tell me what, like, I guess what that meant to you in the the process. The challenge that the business people that we work with is clearly communicating their value to to their prospects, right? And so one of the things that we want them to do is consistently produce content 
to communicate that. That's mm-hmm. the essence. That's just the universal, timeless thing that'll always be in play. Whether it's a blog post or social media or podcast that a business might, Bill, everything. Billboard, a lead, sure. lead behind, whatever, that may be email. And so when I learned about your podcast, I thought, you know, this is excellent because it's a great example of what uh, producing content on a regular basis, right? And so, and the other thing is being, um, wanting to support the community in a way that here's, here's several things going on is that you have these people coming out of WT that are come to work here and they're being uh, exposed to and learning a new set of skills. Mm -hmm. It's actually, you don't, you don't learn the actual rubber meets the road stuff. You get the, you get the background and, and why and stuff, but when you actually start doing it, so we're developing talent that's going to go on and, and be impactful wherever, whether it's right. with ROI or other people. And so it would only make sense that would promote or support a congruent endeavor like yours. Just sponsoring it. It, it happened to me, one of my clients that I had like, you know, because of their relationship with us for like two or three years, basically funded my startup, hmm. if you think about it, right? And so to, to do something um, supporting the community, would it just felt right, and I wanted to do it, right? And so I know I didn't expect that, that we would get all these phone calls from those ads or whatever, but I did want it to show that we're progressive and that we are investing in in things that we want our clients to to consider okay. or think about. Well, I appreciate that. I, I know I've told you before, but yeah. it, it it was really instrumental in in this getting started. Um, another thing that we share is you know I write books and I know that you have written a book mm-hmm. over the past year or so. And I wanted to ask you about that because I know that this is this is something that maybe you didn't really see yourself doing, you know, when you started a business or anything mm-hmm. like that. And it kind of one of those organic outgrowths of what you do. So tell me about it. Yeah. So think about your your thought process when you've realized or started considering you need to do a podcast, uh, this one, right? Right. And so you went through this decision process and you may have wavered a little bit or thought, nah, I don't know. And then, yeah, I should. And and then finally you you pulled the trigger and there was this reasoning behind that you had this mission or you had this there was this higher higher value that you wanted to deliver or at least whatever that journey is right Right. so as a business owner i'm helping other business owners communicate better but but in the back of my mind it's like i need to walk the walk as well and and so the the employees that work at roi one of the expectations are that you write a blog, right? Or you do videos, or you you produce content, work, yeah. right? And so here I am, uh, uh, growing this team and helping these other people. But in the back of my mind, it was nagging at me that I maybe was I was like letting myself off. Yeah, the hook. I'm not making anything. <laughs> exactly. just managing things. Yeah, but but there's you have to see yourself as a business person, and you have to first you got to get your act together in a business way, and so. Finally, had gotten to where we were a viable business, and then it became it started to be clear that there's a point where you start to consider not working in your business, but start to working on your business, right, and that's yeah. that's a transformation that business owners make at different 
speeds or times or or whatever you should. So the book thing kept nagging at me, and, and I knew I needed to write a book, but I didn't want to write a book just to write a book. But then I, one day it hit me that the, the thought leaders in my industry that I follow and get a lot of value from, they have books. Yeah. And I read their books. And... And so, but I didn't know what specifically. So I'm on a plane going to San Francisco to go to a Google Next conference to learn about AI or whatever. And I'm reading this book called um, um, What the Heck is EOS? And it's the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's from the first book called Traction, but it's, you know, how to run your business better. And I was okay. studying it, but it hit me that there's a framework there. And I recognize that I see this model of this essence of what your value is broke down to something that's easily understood and, and digestible. And I realized that we had been working on a version of pretty much the entrepreneurial business development system. I just wasn't looking at it that way or calling it that. And that's when the light bulb went off. I needed to write about that. We had started this relationship with Donald Miller. I don't know if mm-hmm. you're familiar with it. He's written a lot of books as well, but what has his book that's really popular right now is building a story brand and it's taking the rules of story and applying it to your messaging. And so we had embraced that and adopted actually to become the very first agency certified by story brand to deliver that framework. Right. And so, but I'd seen this framework, how it unified us as a team and it created this system to really nail, as a team, a succinct message. When before, it was just who argued the best or who was the most persuasive. And now we had this confidence, and it started to, to weave into all the things that we do. So we had been, Don had come out and worked with our team, and we'd worked on this thing we call the Quick Start, which is an, a way to apply all the things in his book in a, a, a system. And so it's evolved into a more comprehensive business when you build a growth stack instead of a website. Okay. And so that's what the the book is about. It's that framework. Yeah. So the uh, title of your book is, is super catchy and as is the cover, which reflects it, it's called the golden toilet. Um, and I, I don't want to, I want you to like tell everybody what the book's about, you know, or give them stuff so that, you know, obviously they should go buy it themselves. But like, tell me about that metaphor that's kind of central to it and, and why the golden toilet. Yeah. So you, you, we talked about the, the Kung Fu movies, right? And mm-hmm. so I just realized that one day I've been doing this for 10 years now total, but I've been hearing different versions of the same plea is like, help me figure out this business challenge, right? But the only words they had were website. Right. And so so one of the things that's really um, impactful is they call it the attention economy now. We have all these things attacking us, and as we were being bombarded by all these messages and your kids asking you questions and phone calls and emails. And, and if you can get someone's attention... That's super valuable. It's the most valuable thing. And so, but in these conversations, even though I said, well, I don't know if you need a website or whatever, it wasn't, it wasn't sinking in. And so one day it just hit me that, that if I said, you know, look, your website's just a toilet. You need to look at it the right way. Your website's a toilet. You wouldn't move into a house if it didn't have one. Right. You, you, it's expected that it's, you should have a toilet. Exactly. And it's a very important thing. But when people come over, 
You go hang out by the pool. You sit in the kitchen. You, that's where you and the kids hang out. You have experiences. And when people leave, that's what they remember. They may go to the restroom while they're here. And it'd be the main point of the conversation. If you didn't have one, they would never come back over, <laughs> yeah. right? Can you but, believe this house didn't have a toilet? <laughs> exactly. But it's like we need to look at this differently. This is a business challenge and we're building a system so you have to get your messaging clear that's the most important thing we're going to put this on a platform a virtual version right but you also have to take advantage of the technology of our time which is happens to be right now marketing automation sales automation and then you need to think strategic campaigns so But everyone gets they need to have a website and maybe run a campaign or social media ads. But what they don't realize is that you're sending people to somewhere that's not ready to harvest them or to continue on the experience they expect from you while they're being brainwashed by all these other brands. Yeah, That's where the title is to get your attention. Then the subtitle is to earn your focus. Okay. Okay. And the really focus is the more important of those two. So the subtitle is stop flushing your marketing budget into your website and start building a system that grows your business. And for our target market, that's exactly what they struggle with. Okay. That they're pouring all of their money into creating this really fancy toilet Mm -hmm. when really the toilet is something they need, but not the center of the house. Yeah. It's um, so, yeah. Okay. I, I love the idea. Um, I, I want to kind of pull back and, and take sort of a, a big picture view uh, related to the work that you do and the city that you grew up in and, and where you do it. What role do you think Amarillo has played in like who you are today and, and the business that you have right now? I mean, having started as this chicken fried steak kid who yeah. then went to Japan, transformed the way that you look at things, came back here and then built what you've got now. Is, is Amarillo a part of that story? Absolutely. Yeah, chicken fried steaks in my DNA, you know, all of ours really. But, you know, I people say the independent spirit of Amarillo or whatever. Pretty much this area represents a can-do attitude that I don't, I'm going to have to build this ranch or I'm going to have to start this business, whatever. I may not have everything, but something about this area, there's this, this attitude that, hmm, well, maybe a little messy might skin a knee or, you know, but we can figure it out. Yeah. And the, I think that's what comes from here. You know, I, people, we're a platinum level agency partner with HubSpot. And that's a publicly owned company. That's an international company. And there's only 120 or so agencies that have that thing. And so that says, think about people coming out of WT, coming into a team. And then walking the walk. That's Amarillo. Yeah. It makes you emotional to, to talk about that. I mean, to, to, to talk, talk about the, I guess, the opportunity that some of these students have to, to do this big work, to be part of a, a business like that. Yeah. But that's, you see that story over and over in this town. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I um, thinking about that book, it's like I went through this thing. I, well, who am I to write a book? But it's like, but I think that's kind of in our humble way we were raised. Yeah. I'd say, yes, ma'am, open the door or whatever, and maybe not lead with yourself all the time. But there's, there's also this time that we need to step up and own it. This episode of Hey Amarillo is also sponsored by Amber Morgan and the Manny Camper. 
Amber was a guest back in February of 2018, and she's one of those surprising Amarillo creatives. I mean, who else do you know who has traveled to New York City before to do nails for Fashion Week? That's something Amber has done. She's a nail artist at Ugly Press Salon, but she's also the owner of The Manny Camper, a mobile nail salon that's perfect for birthday parties, bridal or bachelorette parties, girls' night out, employee appreciation, and a whole lot more. If you've ever met my wife, Amy, and admired her fingernails, you've seen Amber's work. So go to themannycamper.com or follow The Manny Camper on Instagram. Okay, I'm back with Steve Brown of ROI. Steve, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Uh, your job as my guest is to answer these questions I'm going to ask you, eight straight questions, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. The first one, and we've talked about neighborhoods a little bit already, but the, the first one is, what's your favorite Amarillo neighborhood? You know, over there by Amarillo College, I love that area where it's got the brick streets, yeah. and the big trees, and the, all the the houses are all different, and you see some that are really... You know, they've come back into their own or been fixed up, and you got others that are waiting for that. But it's just um, it's just a nice area to walk your dog in or, or to drive through at Christmas. Or I just, that's kind of neat. It's got that park called Oliver Eckle. Yeah. Do you know that? Do you know the story of Oliver Eckle? I do. That's so cool. But it's, it's, um, a, it was a woman that right. changed her name to be more masculine to to not uh, hold her back on a lot of opportunities. I don't know that to hold. She point. had she came here with money, um, from what I understand, and then was one of the biggest you know funders of the local economy for several years. And yeah, went as um, I think it was M D Oliver Eckle because people you know so people wouldn't know that she was a woman and. Was one of the most influential people in the city, I think. You know, still today. She's one of the first sky rises in Amarillo was a building that she built. So, um, yeah, people called her the Duchess. Yeah. Which I think is a cool nickname. That's kind of emblematic of Amarillo as a whole. We've, yeah. We're kind of hiding our identity, even though we have all this uh, potential here. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? So it depends on what mood I'm in. It's That's a real hard question. It's like, if you want... Then I would go. I would go down to Emerald Boulevard Cafe, and and I love that. Or if I want, if I'm in the mood for turkey and dressing, then Delvin's is like a great pick yeah. on Saturday mornings. You need to get there at eleven. Or or Youngblood's is a great if you're in mood for a chicken fried steak. Mm-hmm. That's where I'd go. Mexican food. There's really good options there. So it almost we dial it into more you know the tacos or the tamales or so it'd be like you've got a place in each one of those categories. Oh, I'm there. telling you, it's it's hard to say there's one one favorite restaurant. What does this area have too much of? So. Snack pack really brought the realization to me there's too much we can hunger. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really um, was shocking to me. And we don't know that a lot of kids go home and, and they may not have many meals until they show back up on Monday. So, so, yeah, too much of that. And that may be one of those things that Amarillo, yes, does have too much of it, but maybe is not that much different from a lot of other places. Yeah. But we have realized it and we're taking steps to deal with that and, and really have become, like Snack Pack has become a model for a lot of other communities Yeah, because I, of the success that they've had. I love that. And so it, I, that's, you know, I was thinking about that. 
could have said dust, but I, I think that would be uh, if if someone listening may not know that they may want to check out Snackback. Well, okay. What does this area not have enough of? Swagger. Okay. Yeah, I think that to go back to that sort of humility and yeah, when Amarillo decides to do something or people in Amarillo decides to do something, it's significant. It's cool. I, baseball park there was controversy about that but i think i think that if we start to see ourselves three years from now and not not really uh, dwell on what we were three years ago i think i think we need to um, swagger might help us a little bit and that we can do whatever we want to all right i like that answer thanks what's the most underrated aspect of living here I'm telling you, um, living in other places or traveling to other places, there's an, a lot to say for free parking, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Or not a lot of traffic, or just the you're going to meet a bef- best friend here. There's that too. When was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? So I found this little thing with Google that you can go apply for. They send you equipment, and so this. They sent us this equipment for a while. It's a 360 camera, right? Okay. And so I got this. They sent me all this stuff, and I started going around. And all they wanted you to do was take 360 views of stuff. So I went out to Cadillac Ranch. Is this like a Google Maps sort yeah. of thing where they're crowdsourcing some of the... Yeah, okay. exactly. So I went out there. It was a couple of years ago. I went to Paladar Canyon. You know, I did. I just went around and goofed off just to learn about the camera and take some pictures. And and they they get thousands of views. Wow! So we could find that footage. I yeah. Guess, so I have I have documented evidence that right. I went out there. All right. Well, I'll, I'll trust you, but I'm glad to know that there's some something <laughs> to pack it up. What's your favorite local coffee shop? I like Starbucks, right? And so it, there's a lot of locations, but downtown by my office, there's one that's uh, S&J. Okay. Right? And so they nice, quiet. You can sit down and have, there's books and chairs or whatever, but I like the style of I've coffee. I've never there. been in that coffee shop. It's down there by Scratch Made Bakery. Yeah. OHMS. Yeah, right in that little area. You know, it's right there off of Polk. People will walk to it, and I don't think a lot of people know about it yet. Mm. But it's a nice little uh, gym. Okay. And how do you describe Amarillo when you talk to outsiders? I, I mean, I imagine you're you're managing a team that lives mm-hmm. elsewhere, or you're talking to clients that are not in Amarillo. So when they ask about well, where where do you live and, and what is it, what do you tell them? Yeah. So the cool thing about Amarillo is there's all this history here that I think a lot of people don't know about. I didn't really realize it until I got a motorcycle and... So to have an excuse to ride a motorcycle, started riding it on all the back roads of the Panhandle. It's amazing all the things we have: Adobe Walls that's close by mm-hmm. here. We have uh, Alabates. Yeah, here that's an amazing thing. You know, we live here and we we drive by these, but we don't always stop. But when you got a motorcycle, you look for reasons to go down all, and you run into these things: the uh, Paladuro Canyon, second largest canyon in the states. It's amazing when folks do come here and you take them out there. They're just blown away with that stuff. Um, Cadillac Ranch, you know, is iconic. Big Texan, as always, comes up in the conversation. One time, um, this funny story about Big Texan, but my economics professor at WT was Dr. Dumont, and he was talking about he went to Israel and was walking in some little town in Israel, and a rabbi come out. 
said hello to him, asked him where he's from. He goes, oh, I'm from the States. And the rabbi's real insistent. goes, yeah, but where in the States? And he goes, oh, it's you wouldn't know. It's in uh, Texas. And he goes, where? And he goes, well, it's about f- five hours from Dallas. And the, the rabbi just was annoyed. And he goes, where are you from? <laughs> and so Dr. Dumont says, Amarillo. Knowing, thinking that the rabbi wouldn't know anything, right? Okay, and 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 the rabbi was quiet for a minute, rubbed on his beard, and he goes, "The big Texan." <laughs> so there's there's the power of marketing. For there's you. I'm telling you, and but there's when I travel and you say you were from Texas, people's eyes just light up. In Japan, they always go JFK. Being from Texas is almost better than being from the States hmm. in a lot of places. It's interesting. Okay. Well, Steve, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to end by asking my guests to endorse something related to the area. So what is something that you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Yeah. So I've been a part of this organization called the Southwest Ambugs for years. Yeah. yeah. So they have um, they have a party every year. It's the uh, Derby Day party, and then they do the gobble wobble. But the biggest thing they do is they provide these therapeutic trikes to kids that can't ride normal trikes or bikes and um, wounded veterans and stuff. So it's a great organization, and I encourage folks to uh, learn about them and support them. Okay. Steve Brown, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that concludes the show. First, I want to say thanks to Steve for going in-depth with me about his story. If you're interested in his new book, and and you should be, for a limited time starting January 14th, you can download the Kindle version of The Golden Toilet for just 99 cents. Uh, Look it up on Amazon. Steve's great at what he does, and it's a really smart book. I think you'll like it. Thanks also to Amber Morgan of The Manny Camper and to Charles at Jimmy John's for sponsoring this episode. And mega thanks, of course, to my editor, Angelina Marie, for making this episode sound so good. And as always, I'm thankful for my executive producers, Katie Linger, Neil Nossiman, Ryan Pennington, Daniel Davis, Corey Burns, Jennifer Callahan, Criselda, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wes Reeves, Wilson Lemieux, and Jason Bird. They all support the show through patreon.com slash heyamorello. And you can too, if you want to help me make heyamorello for free week after week you can support me at patreon if you do i I appreciate it really i do this has been episode 120 my name is jason boyette and i'll see you next week